Pepper Hudson. And now, Consumer Talk, featuring Wendy Nola. Welcome back to the show. Yes, it is Wednesday, and that means we're going to start off the show with Consumer Talk. We are delighted to have Consumer Specialist Wendy Nola with us for the next hour, answering all your consumer-related questions and sharing breaking consumer news. A quick reminder that the second half of the hour of the segment is an open line in which you are very welcome to call in on any consumer query at all. The number to dial is 021-446-0567, or you can send an SMS on 31567, or leave Leave a voice note on 072-567-1567 if that's what you prefer. Welcome to the show, Wendy. Thanks, Bianca. Good to be with you. Nice to hear your voice again. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, You had intended to focus mainly on the adulterated honey issue, mainly on the adulterated honey issue on this week's show. Yes. Uh, But a breaking story around shiny cake decorations has seen us shift the focus to this foodie issue at the 11th hour. Tell us more. Yes, 11th hour indeed. So thanks to the cake boss phenomenon, cake decorating is an international phenomenon now and growing, um, giving rise to, of course, a massive cake decorations industry feeding it um, and, you know, all about shiny, shiny glitter and all sorts of other things. Um, But is that glitter and all the other shimmery stuff actually food grade? That is, is it intended for human consumption and is it more to the point safe to eat? And who is checking that it is? Um, Locally, it doesn't appear that the various authorities at the ports and the health authorities from national down to local are doing that um, consistently, if at all, and we'll get to that a bit later. Um, But the breaking story is that South Africa's leading food coloring company, Rolchem, was in um, the news a few months ago when two of its shiny products, Special Rose Gold and Super Gold, were recalled um, in the UK because they were found to contain a high concentration of Copper, which is not what you expect to find in no. <laughs> Kate decorating product, really. Um, the affected batch, I'm told by Rolkem, was only sold to export markets, including um, the UK. Um, but yesterday, so that was a few months ago, right? So yesterday, the story got a whole lot bigger because the UK's Food Standards Agency issued an advisory about Rolkem's entire range. Um, And it was a pretty damning one. It reads as follows. Consumers should be aware that food business operator, a food business operator based in South Africa, Rolchem Expressions in Color, has been producing a range of products for use in cakes and confectionery for which they have failed to provide assurances of product safety. Two products were previously recalled due to elevated levels of copper. And since that recall, the FSA and and Food Standards Scotland have made concerted efforts to ascertain an accurate understanding of the Rolchem products range and we've requested a number of ingredient details from Rolchem to confirm their suitability for use in food. This information has not been provided. Following recent efforts to contact the company to which we have received no satisfactory response, we've taken the decision to issue this food alert for action to local authorities for the full Rolchem range. Um, the FSA does go on to say that the products are unlikely to be consumed in such levels as to cause any serious risk to health. That's, that's assuming that a child doesn't get hold of a shiny pot yeah, and polish yeah. the lot, in which case it would be very serious indeed. However, the agency says, we have some concerns that products may contain high levels of heavy metals 
contain unapproved non-food pigments and or other unapproved ingredients. It has not been possible to confirm the ingredients of a number of Rolkin products. Therefore, the risk to consumers cannot be established. So, as I say, pretty damning. And um, I get these alerts from all over the world, and, and I got this one. And, of course, the word South Africa mm. leapt out at me, and, and I decided to follow up. Um, and I got hold of Andres Kemp, the owner of the company, um, earlier today. And I'm hoping we, he um, agreed to join us um, for this conversation. And I'm hoping we have him on the line. We do. We do indeed. So let's bring CEO of Rolkem into the conversation. Hi, Andres. Welcome to the conversation. Good afternoon. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to be on the show. And thank you for coming on. Thank you. Right. Shall I jump in here? Go for it. Right. Um, Andres, if you could explain uh, to us how that batch uh, a a few months ago, I think it was May, came to, well, it was when it was discovered. How did it come to contain um, copper? Um, Because obviously that's not what we expect to find, you know, in in an edible product. Of course, it was quite a big surprise for us as well. We procure our uh, uh, ingredients from all over the world and um, the copper content of the super gold and rose gold was uh, because of a batch of nano gold particles uh, that was received from a gold supplier in South Africa that is um, supplying us with 24 karat gold. Now, just to explain, uh, 24 karat gold is completely edible and is seen as an edible product. Um, it is also used in the medical industry. What has happened, though, is the gold supplier has supplied us with gold that was not 24 carats, but 4 carats, uh, 4 carat gold. Gold is scaled down from uh, 24 carats with the lower the, carat, uh, the gold carats. It is scaled right. down with bronze, and bronze is uh, comprises of zinc and copper. And that is what caused this uh, contamination of the copper in the ingredients. Okay. Uh, Just to clarify started, for the listeners, sorry, sorry Andrew, so I could jump in. I think people might be Please. sort of pic- picturing big chunks of jewelry. Obviously, you're talking about <laughs> nanoparticles here when you're talking nanoparticles, about... Nanoparticles, yes. Right, um, I'm okay. talking about tiny, tiny. Sizes, yes, about 10 microns in particle size. Okay, and that's what gives the shine to, to these products? The case. Yes, yes, it does. Okay, so sorry, um, carry on. Only, uh, sorry, only in some of the products uh, it contains that. In two of the Rawkin products it contains the nano gold particles. Got it. And um, what unfortunately happened was that um, uh, we normally uh, go, or we used to go according to the certificates provided by our suppliers um, on uh, the testing of the batches that they supply us with. And unfortunately, the documents that were arrived with the, uh, with the product was not accurate. We have ever since since that happened, that this one happened and was found in February, uh, beginning of this year. We found right. it, we've contacted the, the uh, parties um, involved and also notified our customers uh, worldwide that have received those batches. The batches was uh, shipped to Canada, Australia and the UK. Luckily, the UK and uh, Canadian market was contained. You mean uh, Australian? Sorry, the, the Australian and uh, Canadian market was contained and we received all the parcels, uh, all the products back. There is still one shipment on its way from Australia that has to be collected from Australia and uh, brought back to us. Okay. The reason why we are collecting uh, not be, let it be 
destroyed in Australia or in Canada is that we want to ensure that the products products are all uh, safe back and that it can be destroyed with us uh, as we want to have accountability. We take accountability for it and we want to audit and make sure that we are receiving all the products back. Okay. Can I ask um, about the receiving raw ingredients from a supplier? Um, surely it should have been the case, given that food fraud is sadly rampant and, and becoming more so by the month worldwide. Shouldn't you have been doing your own testing um, all along rather than taking the supplier's certification at, at face value? The companies that we deal with is quite large corporations and uh, normally uh, co- uh, companies can be trusted uh, by supplying the, the rights certification with the, with the products. We have, however, since that has happened, we have implemented that each and every batch of raw material that was uh, in, uh, that was in our warehouse at that stage, as well as any new mm. material that is being brought into the company, is individually tested by a laboratory and then certified as uh, to be the correct grade of material and what is supposed to be supplied to, to the Rorkin factory. Okay. So speaking about um, of, of ingredients, um, the FSA, the Food Standards Agency in the UK, has now, as a result of, of that recall and what's happened in the intervening months, they've now, as we've just discussed, called into question your entire range, and they're alleging that you aren't cooperating with them in revealing exactly what's going into those products. And as a result, they've issued this alert saying, you know, essentially be wary of these products. How do you respond to that? Are you, in fact, um, declaring the ingredients on the labels of the products? What what has led the FSA to allege that you aren't coming clean with exactly what's in your products? We, as soon as this uh, came through, we actually involved the FSA from uh, from day one when we uh, were alerted about the, pro- uh, the problem. We've alerted the FSA as uh, some of our distributors did not comply with uh, sending the products back to the Rorkin warehouses or uh, contacting us to collect it from them. And um, what, uh, what has transpired from that is that... Um, we are in contact with the FSA. They gave us a deadline uh, on the 1st of June to respond by the 8th of June with certification on all the products. What we have, however, done is we've employed the services of an external laboratory. As you will yourself know that in the event that we make use of our own laboratory, questions are still going to be raised. Um, right. Is the figures accurate? Is the auditing done correctly? So at quite a cost, we uh, involved an external accredited, international accredited laboratory to do testing for us. But unfortunately, uh, these tests cannot happen overnight. And if we talk of in excess of 400 products, um, some of these products, the tests on those products takes up to two days just for one product to be tested. Now, the laboratory is uh, doubling their shifts um, and has employed or made use of extra staff to run these tests for us, but we are not able to meet the deadline that the FSA has set of the 8th of June to get all these tests done. That was a month ago um, already. That was a month ago already. Unfortunately, the first test results will only be available from tomorrow morning. Um, We will receive the first test results, um, and that will not be on all the products. That will be on uh, the products that they have already tested. They are compiling the test reports as we speak. 
So do you think it's unfair then for this report to go out, um, this, this um, alert to be put out by a very respected food safety authority, basically calling your entire range into question? Yes. Um, um, I, I, I do not want to call into question the, uh, the methods that the FSA is using, as they have to protect their consumers as well. But uh, Rockham has been dealing since 1986 without any issues. Our products have been tested in the past, and they were all uh, safe and um, were positive uh, uh, for food, for edibility and food safety. And uh, we are actually one of the very few co- companies that goes to, through the processes of getting our products tested. There's quite a few uh, coloring, uh, let's call them merchants, that uh, sell coloring. Um, buying products and repackaging it under food, uh, uh, as food products, as edible products, and then um, selling it to baking stores and to different Yes, companies. I want to get onto that in, in a little bit. But as far as I was, um, since we spoke off air this morning, I was um, doing a little more investigation around this issue, and I see some of your detractors in the UK market are saying it's impossible to get the level of um, – luminosity, for want of a better word, those really bright neon colors and the rest without using um, products that are not food grade. How do you answer that? How do you, I mean, you're, you're, you're saying you're getting those gorgeous colors and you're saying they're all food grade. Yes. Are you saying it is possible and that they... It, it is possible. Aren't? Uh, okay. Yes. Um, for instance, our, uh, to take one of our ranges into uh, as an example... We have a uh, range of colors. We have a total of 18 ranges of colors. One of the ranges of colors is uh, uh, the Luma range. And this Luma range of colors uh, is luminescent under ultraviolet light. So basically, if you use it on your products, the, it will start glowing, glowing in, uh, I don't want to say in the dark, but under uh, ultraviolet light. Yes. Now, immediately, uh, everybody's ears are pitched and they wonder, how do we do that? How is that possible? And it's actually quite a simple process. If you take uh, vitamin B2, riboflavin, um, and you uh, process the riboflavin, or actually just break it down, add some distilled water to it, and hold ultraviolet light above it, it will start giving you luminescence. It will start glowing under the ultraviolet light. Um, Nature is a source of very bright colors. Um, I mean, if you take beetroot, for instance, that perfect maroon color, it's, mm. uh, it's derived from beetroot. There is quite a few uh, colors in nature. I do not want to give all my great, <laughs> all my great <laughs> secrets away now. Okay. But, uh, but, but you're saying it is possible that you don't have to possible. use an, a, a, a plastic or something like that, um, which no. one shouldn't be ingesting in order to get the color. Yes. Okay. We're coming up for news in a little bit. I just wanted to start on a discussion we, which, we, which is very pertinent to cake decorating, and that is you label some of your decorations as food touch. In other words, you're saying it can be put onto a cake, on top of the icing or whatever, but it shouldn't be eaten. And consumed. I'd like to know yes. – consumed, yeah. So I'd like to know – how one then would go about removing <laughs> glitter from a cupcake, for example, um, in order not to ingest something that you shouldn't be, you know, that is a plastic, for example. Glitter on cupcakes, on cupcakes should not be allowed. That is also where the South African Cake Decorators Guild come into effect, where they will uh, guide and give uh, the, or give guidelines out to the uh, 
bakers uh, who is members of the South African Catholic Creators Guild not to use those type of products on the product itself that will be consumed, but only on parts that will be that can be seen as removable. If it's a figurine or a molded item or something okay. that can easily be taken off the uh, off the uh, off the cake or off the uh, confectionery. So, uh, in your, I mean, I've been to. My children are grown now, but I, I have friends with younger children, and I've been to a few children's parties of late. Uh, to what extent do you think there is consumer awareness, especially with children, that you know, it, although it's on the cake, you shouldn't actually put it in your mouth? Because from what I've seen, that awareness is not all that great. The awareness, you're definitely right there, and I fully agree with you. The awareness is not there. Um, we need to educate the public uh, and the consumers on edibility, um, even if it's, uh, in some cases, even fresh flowers, as we I mentioned to you this morning, fresh flowers on cakes and so on. Uh, there is like quite the a royal wedding cake. The royal wedding cake is one of those. Uh, the royal wedding cake, even though it looked magnificent and um, I enjoyed watching the royal wedding, um, the flowers that was in the cake, um, there is a question about peonies. Are they edible? Are they not edible? But even if peonies are edible or if uh, pansies or... Uh, nasturtiums are edible. The question still remains: How were they treated? Is there not be, were there not pesticides used close to them, and so on? Cape Talk, Consumer Talk with Wendy Nola. Welcome back to the Pippa Hudson Show. We are talking consumer talk and edible glitter, and we have Wendy Nola on the line and CEO of Rollchem, Andres Kemp, in conversation about what is in fact edible and what you should be keeping off your cupcakes before you give them to your children. Back to you, Wendy. Oh, thanks, thanks, Bianca. Andres, thanks for holding. Um, let I would like to ask you, as as a leading player in the industry, what warnings then, in general, would you give to consumers about buying cake decorations. I want to just uh, preface that question by saying um, I recently started looking at these products in in local baking stores in Durban where I'm based, and I found one product that um, was confusingly um, labeled both non-toxic and then decor only. It was pink glitter um, in a baking goods store, right? So I asked a staff member what that meant. I said, because clearly the product was intended to be sprinkled on icing, I would imagine. Um, and she said, oh, it's absolutely fine to eat. And there it says decor only. But why, you, why do you have a decor only product that is you going to sprinkle on? And how do you unsprinkle a cupcake? <laughs> so I'd like to see somebody try. Mm. So I don't really like the idea of a bit of sparkling plastic sitting in my body, even just a little bit of it. So, And I've also heard of um, some shops typicking out the word not for human consumption and leaving it on the shelf and that sort of thing. Um, and I still need to verify that. But what sorts of things have have you heard? I mean, you mentioned to us, tell us about the poster paint. What other things should consumers be aware of and, and what questions should they be asking? First of all, um, something to have a look at for by the consumers is when they buy a product off the shelf, make sure there's a best before date uh, and a batch number on the product itself. That's already an indication that there is some, some type of control uh, or control procedure in place from the manufacturer or the supplier. Secondly, if there's anything, uh, if something is stating for decor only, uh, it, my view on that is it should not say non-toxic because it immediately creates a misrepresentation that it can still be. Exactly. Eaten. 
that yes. it can still be consumed. So something is either for non-toxic or it is um, because even though um, a person won't get ill from it or won't get sick from it, it still might not be digestible. Now, I know that people say that um, some people say uh, rule of thumb, they say leave something overnight in water and see if it dissolves. But then that's not going to happen to beans or vegetables or something like that either. Um, as the stomach acids will dilute almost anything. But the problem that occurs is that quite a lot of these glitters that is used are made from PVC. And then when it gets into contact with the stomach acids, it will emit toxins into the body. And uh, quite a few of these glitters are also coated with aluminium. Oh and the goodness. aluminium will... Oh, it's getting worse. Yeah. Yes, and the aluminium will get into the bloodstream, settle in the mind, and causes Alzheimer's disease. And... Um, the uh, Rolkin has arranged, sorry, I don't want to use this as marketing ploy or so, please do not get me wrong, but Rolkin has a, uh, what we call a crystal range that does not contain PVC and that does not contain aluminium, but still it does create the impression that it's completely digestible um, for all other glitters on the market, which it's not the case. We state on our label clearly that it's for, f- uh, for food touch approved only. Now, my view. Oh, sorry, what is that product? Sorry, what is that product that you say is only for food touch? What, what, just explain it exactly. It's not a glitter. It's not it a, glitter. a glitter. It's a. No. It's, it looks like glitter, but it, it's called a crystal. Um, it is uh, made from a PET coated with titanium dioxide. Titanium dioxide is um, completely edible. Uh, it's got the E. E number E171. Uh, PET is safe for the human body if it is ingested, um, but though it's still plastic. We have to bear that in mind. It's still plastic, but it will not emit toxins if it uh, gets into the bloodstream. Uh, into the bloodstream okay. into, so how do you take a crystal off a cake then, Andres, before you eat it? Uh, that, that is only supposed to be used on if they make the glitter balls or something like that, that can be removed afterwards. Okay, um, so it must be on an object that then comes off. I think a lot of listeners like me are listening to this and thinking I had no idea mm-hmm. <laughs> about this. Um, what we, yeah. Something that should be put into place, and um, maybe I'm putting, uh, putting my neck out quite far here, and it might, it might be chopped off by some of the other opposition companies or uh, different companies, is that they, we should actually have on all the products that does not have, uh, that should not be digested, have a red label there, not for digestion purposes or not for edibility. Mm. Have a red label that stands. Just out do, do not that. eat would work for me. Yeah. yeah. Do not eat will, will be perfect as well. Um, but um, of course, uh, there's always going to be somebody in the market that wants to play the effect that it is still going to be safe. Yes, a person will not necessarily get ill from it or will get sick or, sorry, worst case scenario, die from that. But um, still, it is still not safe for the human body to consume that type of Okay. Andres, thank you. Um, Time is ticking on. I just want to, since this began with an alert from a very prestigious food safety authority in the UK uh, saying that there's a question mark around the ingredients in your product and whether they are food grade or not, um, would you like to just take 30 seconds and um, address that to your customers and consumers at large? Um, as your response in terms of the um, uh, quality of your products and and their edibility. Thank you. you. I can confirm that all our products are edible. Um, I will 
uh, I state my name on that. My name and my business name is very important for me. As I said, we come from, as we've been established in 1986 already. We have uh, done thorough tests on our products in ours and it all tested clear. We have employed the services of an external laboratory as well uh, so that no finger can be pointed at our own laboratory and confirm that our tests are also up to standard and uh, are sure that all the products are safe for them uh, for human consumption if we find during these tests that anything is not we will do a product recall itself which at this point in time with the preliminary test results that i've seen from the independent laboratory everything seems fine and we actually uh, have requested more in-depth tests on the product itself to ensure that everything is 100 percent up to date and up to scale and up to world-class standard okay Thank you very much for coming on and chatting to us today, Andres. I appreciate it. And I'm sure this, this is a to-be-continued situation. Absolutely. Thank you, Andres, CEO at Rollcom. Right. Back to you, Wendy. <laughs> okay. So, um, coincidentally, um, I was tipped off a few months ago by a contact who works in a food testing lab saying that she'd been asked by um, a company to test some locally sold glitter because they believed that it contained plastic and indeed the glitter did uh, test positive um, for plastic or PV, PV, what is it? PVC. PVC, yeah. Um, yeah, so um, I asked her to please give me the contact details of that person and that person was Ian Yule of Nicoletta, which is the company that uh, local company based in Cape Town that produces cake decorations for many retailers. And um, I gave him a call, and he was initially very reticent to talk to a journalist because he didn't want it to be construed as if he's trying to promote his own company um, uh, because he's very um, um, emphatic about using you know, everything being food grade, etc., and natural and all the rest. Um, but I have convinced him in light of this breaking story um, to come in and chat to us from his perspective because he's, for the last four years, been trying to fight um, this Glitter is it edible situation? Um, trying to get the health authorities to take a, to take a stand um, on the issue. So um, I'm hoping we have Ian on yes, the line welcome. to take it further. We do have him on the line. Welcome to the show, Ian Yule, owner of Nicoletta. Hi, Wendy. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for contacting me. Great. So um, this is a big story. This is something very uh, dear to your heart. Um, something you've been. Um, trying to get the authorities to stay, take a stand on for some time now. Um, let's start with what you have discovered about uh, much of the glitter. Was it just glitter or was it other products that are um, decorating cakes and, and actually aren't food grade? They shouldn't be eaten. Yes, uh, something of a sad story really, Wendy. Uh, Nicoletta is, is all about integrity and food. What we have found as we've grown in this market, and while Andres and I are in the same category, baking, we do not compete head-on because he's primarily in glitters and colors. We are in decorations and kits, etc. But having been in this category, what I have found is a lot of product on the market which is, and, and I'm sorry, I disagree, it's not PVC. It oh, is what is it? PET. Um, oh. Andres mentioned PVC. The product is PET. It is a metallized PET. Um, the product 
I've found. Now, whether it was his or not, I don't know. But the fact that my um, analysis from an independent R&D laboratory in The Cape one that Town, tipped me off. <laughs> exactly. Confirmed yeah. that it is metallized PET. It could have been his. But unfortunately, I bought it on a cookie from a national retailer from their bakery under glass. So here's oh. this cookie decorated with blue glitter, which is a metallized PET. And it's all the rage now with Frozen. Absolutely. I mean, I've been to lots of little girls' parties with blue glitter yeah. everywhere. Mm. I find yeah. it unacceptable that we as food suppliers, whether it's nationally or internationally, do not stand up and take responsibility for product that we are putting our brand on, on the shelf, and then, and I'm sorry, I need to disagree with Andres, because if you go to his website and you look at the Crystals product, it clearly says, food touch approved, acid free, non-toxic. That is misleading to the customer when it is sold in a baking environment. So I'm delighted to hear him say that it should not be allowed, because then the labeling on his product needs to be changed. Because when I pack a product for a retailer, I pack it in a plastic bag or a jar or whatever. Mm. The consumer uses what's inside the packaging. That's the edible part. The fact that the plastic is food safe means it won't leach anything into the product. It does not mean you're going to take a hammer and pound the plastic jar into pieces and then consume it, or that you should even think of doing that. Therefore, why is it appropriate to decorate an edible product, whether it's edible product, whether it's a figurine or the whole thing, with something that should not be consumed? I can't answer that. I can't see how that is a good way of doing business. Because you're right, a child is not going to wait for mommy to come and pick off the little bits of glitter so that they can eat the uh, mm. treat. So basically, a lot of these, th like that glitter that I saw, should have been in a craft shop so that nobody could make the connection between it and an edible cupcake for example but they and but it's it. sold in a baking goods store so most people would i think most people mm. would just unquestioningly buy it and sprinkle away it's aimed it at, so, and aimed so at children mm. exactly mm. and that's the problem that's why i'm pleased here and say there should be clear markings if you wish to sell this in a food shop where people walk in and it's a mom and pop baking operation and it's wow look at all of this color is beautiful it is it's attractive people want it but then put something on it that says don't eat mm. do not eat this don't eat this because part if you're not going to make sure that your product is sold in the channels where it is appropriate so if it's plastic put it in a in a craft shop where you're going to use it on a christmas card don't put it yeah. into a baking shop where people assume because it's in the baking shop which is wrong i accept that but you know what consumers are not necessarily all that familiar with the intricacies and the technical details around food manufacture. So don't put it into a place that is a food they could, shop. They could make a wrong assumption, yeah. Mm. Um, mm. I need to ask you, Ian, it was, it's some four years ago already that you've started taking up these issues with the health authorities. Can you tell us what the response has been, if any? Yeah, if I stay silent on the telephone for 30 seconds, 
you'll get the response that I've had. Okay. So uh, literally some, that. I've I mean, not some, even an email back. I've had some light, what I would consider lightweight communication, and that is it. And I've kept all the emails so I know exactly what I sent, and I know exactly what came back to me. So, so health authorities where, at what level and which province? Um, I went to national. I tried provincial. I went to national. Um, pretty much the same response from both. And if anyone okay. wishes to challenge me on that, I have it all in writing. You have the emails. So what do we do? What, what do you, I'm, I'm listening there. I have a, um, I'm a parent of, of children. Yeah. What do we um, do? And I've, I've been using these products. What do I do? I still want to decorate the cake nicely. What do I do to ensure that I'm not feeding okay. my children plastic inadvertently? For me, and the their friends. Thing, and I do agree with Andres on this. The first thing is if it doesn't have ingredients, name, address, contact details, batch and best before, because that is basic labeling legislation in South Africa. If it doesn't conform to those basics, ask yourself, why would I buy this product if I don't know what's in it and it doesn't conform to basic labeling legislation? That's, that is the absolute basic. Don't buy it. If you have any doubts, don't purchase it because... Mm -hmm. We've got structures in place in South Africa, and I know everyone says, yeah, we're third world and et cetera, et cetera, but you know what? We've got good labeling legislation. If it doesn't conform, don't buy it. Then say to the shop owner, why are you purchasing this? It does not conform. I, I love no that second step because the retailer needs to take responsibility as well. Well, we're the first gatekeeper. Andres and I are the first gatekeeper. We need to check our raw materials that are incoming. Check them. Don't rely on what you've been told, because unfortunately, in today's era, you cannot trust anyone. And that's something that, unfortunately, we all have to get used to, manufacturers and consumers. You do not trust your supplier. But that is the first thing about integrity in food. Don't trust anyone. Check it for yourself, mm. because then you won't be surprised down the line. So don't trust what doesn't <laughs> conform on shelf. And then say to the stockist, why are you carrying this if you cannot prove to me that it is food? Prove it to me that it's food. Yeah. I well, I that's get, get quite we, well. It is up to it is up to us if the authorities aren't doing anything. If it's considered too inconsequential for action, then it's up to us to but spread then, the word and make really, people a little bit more informed. Any, has any study been done? to see, is this carcinogenic? Does it build up in my system? What are the implications of consuming these products? And I'm not saying uh, uh, Andres and Rolkem, they've got a, a range of products. I'm focused on specific things which say food touch, acid-free, yes. non-toxic. Then it's not food. Don't sell it as food. Don't sell it together with food. It is not food. We okay. need to start taking responsibility. And I mean, if you're going to Build a business. Integrity, transparency, and accountability is what we have to stand by, or else we have nothing. Well said. I'm going to leave it there with you, Ian. Thank you so much. This is a story that I can see myself coming back to in a few months for sure. Thank you so much for, for being willing to come on air and, and share your perspective with us and your, your knowledge about what's going on out there with our cake decorations.
Yes, thank you, uh, Ian. Neil. I mean, I'm just horrified thinking about all the glitter that my children have consumed on cupcakes <laughs> and cakes at their too. birthdays, and the glitter and, you know, that I bought them, you know, to and to decorate with. You know. It's it is mostly children, but I mean I don't know if you've been to any food shows lately. You can barely take two steps without mm. um, hitting another cupcake um, stand, and it's it's for adults as well, very much so. Yeah. Um, it, you know um, these monster, very highly decorative sort of sugar sculptures with mm. all the rest on. I mm. mean, it's it's being consumed by adult uh, adults as well. So it's not just yeah. a, a kiddie market thing. Um, we just, were going to. Sorry, I just yes. wanted to tell you we've got an SMS uh, that's come through directly asking a question here. Um, can Wendy sometimes f- focus on aluminium and certain fluorides used in most toothpastes and being covered by the statement, do not swallow, which is just on the same line as uh, the it glitter? It is. I would have to do a lot of um, investigation there, but th- but that is a, um, it would be a good follow on. I agree. Yes, that's something that I'll put on my list. Thank you very much. Because, I, I mean, how do you, especially a child, how do you not ever swallow any of, of that? Yeah. I yeah. think it's quite a big ask, really, over time when you're doing it twice a day. Um, so yes, thank you for that. Um, we, I did until this story happened this morning. I did have a whole show um, prepped around honey adulteration, but I don't think we do it justice with the time that yeah. we. Have left. So I don't know if we've got some, maybe some open line we questions do. that we should take. So here okay. we have Estelle on the line from Milk Boss Strand. Um, welcome to the show, Estelle. What is your question for Wendy? Go ahead. Uh, hello, Wendy. Uh, I just want to know what my right is. I bought a bar fridge just over a year ago. And in, let's say, about a year and a half, it has broken three times. Um, they right. have fixed it all three times. But surely it being broke, broke three times that Yes. They should give me a refund or something or re- re- uh, exchange it. Okay. The timing of these uh, these uh, breakdowns are critical to the answer. So when did the first breakdown happen? In other words, when, how long after purchase was it repaired for the first time? I would say about six months. Well, you have to be specific there because if it's – Within six months or after six months, the answer that I'm going to give you is completely different. So let me, let me, ass- is, do you think there's a chance it was within six months of the date on I'm, your, on I'm your not 100% sure. I'm just waiting on the job cards to come back to me, but, um, I okay. would say max maybe six, seven months. Okay. So I'll give you the, the two answers. If it was within six months, it would have been within the precious golden six month implied warranty that you get um, whether the retailers like it or not under the Consumer Protection Act. So if you reported this defect and it was repaired within that, those first six months and then failed again, you would have been within your rights to then, they, they, they may not repair twice under the CPA warranty. So at that point you would have had the right to say, I would like um, my money back or a replacement. They could, that the repair option was then over. If, however, you reported the fault from month seven onwards, the CPA warranty is out of the picture and the, and the manufacturer's warranty was then valid and they, that's a, that's actually a voluntary warranty and then they have the right to make up whatever rules and they can repair it as many times as they want uh, and you then on your own legally. So, that sounds to me um, like the most likely scenario in your case. So all I can tell you is um, there's nothing um, – there's, they're, they're not breaking any law um, okay. by continuing to repair the fridge. Um, you could put pressure on them to say, look, how many times are we going to flog this 
dying horse. Can you please yeah. replace the fridge as a customer service? And then you have yeah. social media at your disposal or whatever. But legally, unfortunately, the CPA can't help you in this instance. Okay, so this is if you can see what the, when the first breakdown was. Yes, well, okay. it's like you were saying six to seven months, so I sort of assumed yeah. that. that um, but but it's worth checking. So if you made that call and there's some proof that you made that you reported a defect within six months of the date on your on your proof of purchase, then you can go back to them and say, look, the CPA applied here. It was it was repaired under CPA warranty. It failed again. So at that point, you you didn't advise me of my rights. At that point, I was entitled to my money back or a replacement fridge. And at this stage, and given that, please at this stage, will you now repair this? Will you now replace this this fridge for me? Okay. Let us know oh, well, how thank- you go. Good luck, right. Estelle. Thank you, Estelle. We're chatting to consumer specialist Wendy Nola and listening to or her open line calls. If you have a consumer-related question, call us on 021-446-0567 or text us on 318567. WhatsApps and voice notes to 072-567-1567. Um, we have a question from Jean in Cape Town. Hi, Jean. Welcome to the show. Ask Wendy your question. Hello, thank you very much. Um, I noticed on a vacuum-packed ready-to-eat fish product that the manufacturer's mass was, say, a 066, but the retailer had on his label 076. In other words, I paid three rand for the vacuum pack. Is this legal? No, in a word. <laughs> the, no. Um, the declared weight cannot include... The weight of the packaging. It has to be what the industry calls teared. So, yes. for example, if you go to the butchery section of your local supermarket mm-hmm. and you choose um, a product that they will then weigh for yeah. you in a polystyrene tray usually, yeah. um, that scale needs to be teared or pro- programmed to subtract the weight <laughs> of that polystyrene um tray and the yeah. glad wrap as minuscule as that is cling wrap rather that brand. um so definitely not i would uh jean i would query that with the retailer because i, I followed it up, did you yes i followed it up with the manufacturer actually i did a bit of sleuthing i thought good for you and yes. he, he said no but Apparently, there is a slight leeway they are allowed. If I understood him correctly, they are allowed to charge. But, I mean, this is like no. um, three rand on, on a small product like this. And not only that, in order to make it recyclable to a degree, I hope, I have to wash it and soap it and do all kinds of things to sanitize it. Um, no, what that doesn't should sound I do right. at this stage? Okay, what you can do is report it to the. Um, each city has its own branch of the of uh, it's the NRCS, the National Regulator yes. for Compulsory Specifications. Yes. And you ask for the um, Weights and Measures uh, Division, and they are the people that go around and check that supermarket scales are accurate and all this sort of thing. And I've done quite a few stories over the years on this issue of packaging not being teared. It's especially important, and you can imagine the um, greater the, the more expensive the product per kilo, the bigger the consumer injustice is because, um, for example, if you're buying biltong and they're not subtracting the weight of the paper bag, whatever that way paper bag weighs in grams, you're going to be paying the biltong price for, which is exorbitant. <laughs> so it does make a difference. So I would suggest you do that, John. The NRCS in Cape Town, make a call and ask to speak to the weights and 
I think it's called Weights and Measures, their division, um, report this and get their input on it. I think she's gone. But thank you, Jean, for, for your I call. I hope she got that. I hope yes. she got that. We will post those details on the website. Uh, thank you, Wendy Nola, for a, a very informative uh, show this week. Wendy will be back with eye-opening and uh, got to stay away from those shiny things. And mm. uh, uh, thank you so much for joining us. You will be back with us again next week where we possibly will, will be talking Maybe. about fake honey. Maybe we will. It's all prepared. If anyone has any um, input and examples and stories to share, um, I'd appreciate them and we can include them in the show. Wonderful. Thanks, Wendy. Have a good week. Thanks, Bianca. You too.